0: Uh, It's been a minute since we've last talked, but don't worry. I'm still heavily addicted to that good, good life boost. This past week, we were able to try a new limited edition summer flavor pineapple upside down cake. And I'll tell you, I added some coconut almond milk and some stevia and it was like a fricking dessert. If you know me, you know how much of a sweet tooth I have. So this is literally my favorite part of my day. Pineapple upside down cake, guilt-free in the morning hella amazing in the summer oof yes i can't recommend it enough but if you don't want to take my word for it a la lavar burton you can try it with our discount code and save yourself 30 percent that's unmasked u-n-m-a-s-k-e-d to save yourself 30 percent. let's face it life gets kind of crazy sometimes I am in that boat right now. School starts back for my 12th year, 13th year, and I am hella stressed, so I booked an appointment at A Place to Float. If you are unfamiliar with our sponsor, A Place to Float, feel free to check out our incredible, if I do say so myself, podcast with Aaron Douglas, the owner. He talks about why he started his business and the incredible uh, floating experience that he has at his location, which, by the way, is right across the street from Lucas Oil Stadium. Floating is a way to basically tune out all of the exterior chaos and just tune back into your breathing and yourself. It is a wonderfully warm tank of salt water where you do not have to do anything. You literally just and I cannot recommend it. If you are interested in using one of these insanely relaxing tubs, you can visit aplacetofloat.com and use our code UNMASKED to save yourself 20%. That's UNMASKED, U-N-M-A-S-K-E-D, to save yourself 20% on your first Lately, everyone has been asking me the same question. How are you getting so jacked? (laughs) And if I'm being honest, it's a lot of hard work, persistence, the unfortunate avoidance of donuts which high key breaks my soul but the real secret is my strength and nutrition coach adam for the past almost six months he has written me personalized nutrition and fitness programming in order for me to meet my goals which in my case was to get fucking ripped and trim He not only set everything up to meet those, but he also works around my schedule and asks me when we would like to meet. I only meet with him once a week and it's so beneficial. I cannot recommend him enough and I genuinely be lost without him. So if you have goals, fitness goals, nutrition goals, that you're wanting to crush, you can find him on Instagram at Adam Tran and he has limited amount of spots, so hurry up, slide into his DMs, and start getting jacked.
1: All right, cool. Welcome to Unmasked the podcast. We're here with Kalem, Is it Callista? Callista, yeah. Yes, sir. Okay, will you introduce yourself,
2: please? Okay, I'm a 42 year old black belt um, out of Hinesville, Georgia. I'm most noted for my academy that I had in the Dominican Republic, um, which I still have going. Um, I had that academy for about eleven years. Huge tourist destination, and uh, I'm just an avid lover of the sports.
1: Uh, very cool. So, you, so you still got you've got two schools running and live in Georgia then.
2: Yep. Yeah, I used to run uh, my uh, everything the home base out of the Dominican Republic, but it kind of blew up, blew up here in in, uh, in Georgia, so I kind of made this the home base. Uh, okay. Well, what about you all the way out to Georgia then. Uh, Family. This is where my my home is. Uh, I was raised in East Tennessee and then kind of migrated here to Georgia. And uh, so I would come back and visit, but COVID brought me back. And then it kind of, you know, the gym kind of blew up after that.
1: Okay. So raised in Tennessee, but then you made it, made it to Dominican Republic.
2: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a strange case. I'm Russian and raised in East Tennessee. (laughs) <laughs> you don't you don't see many russians in east tennessee no um then <laughs> uh, i've traveled all over you know the the united states and then uh, um i well brought me to the dominican i was in the casino business oh. so they're um running uh, a couple casinos and where i lived, there really was no jujitsu. i was a purple belt at the time and uh i brought mats we just we had this this apartment that had like a rooftop like area, so we would just yeah. put the mat up there. like scorching sun burning us and train but uh a guy ended up opening a uh, muay thai school there so oh i kind of like ran over and just basically said look i'll teach Jujitsu for free just to kind of create training partners and it kind of grew into where i opened my home school and it became the uh, one of the biggest academies in the Caribbean. Oh wow! Well, that's
1: super cool. So scorching hot, like how hot? Like I'm assuming it was pretty.
2: Like it's well, it's a different kind of heat. So the the heat itself isn't bad because you've got the ocean breeze, but oh, it's just a burning heat, you know. And it it really uh, uh, makes you uh, wish you're not a gringo, you know. It kind of. <laughs>
0: I don't know actually I'm not so
2: have <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, that extra layer of protection like that I get I get burnt pretty good.
1: Yeah yeah. I'm 56 percent Irish so I I, I burnt to a crisp tan for two days and then I'm white again so <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I get a good color after a while but those first those first week or so I'm I'm the same way.
1: okay so were you born in Russia
2: then? no my family was so i was the the um first one here
1: okay they just you know migrated over here or what was um
2: yeah i guess <laughs> <laughs> just I, you know what yeah. i mean yeah. yeah it's like uh like, like the dominican republic's got a big russian influence you know and uh i used to wonder always why and like um uh, People would say, you know, it's, so the Dominican, you can you can stay there as long as you want. It's not like the States, you know, where you have like a 30-day visa or whatnot. You know, you can stay there as long as you want. You just have to pay taxes, $10, I think, after uh, 30 days. And then if it's 60 days, $20 and so on. So it's full of Russians because everybody wants to escape Russia and try to better their life, you know?
1: <laughs> oh, fair. Okay, cool. I get it. And Dominican Republic, good weather.
2: I get that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a stamp on your passport and and a way to kind of, you know, get get to the States eventually.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: The show you didn't just hop over from Russia and you're... <laughs> we used to do... So I'm affiliate under GF team and we would bring um, a lot of the kids there, you know, like them favela kids and stuff and bring yeah. them over to can, you know, uh, to kind of you know, get them stamps on their passport and some experience to where they can, you know, when they go back, they can get visas to go compete in the, in the States and stuff. So we got a lot of really good talent doing that little exchange program.
1: Okay.
0: So when you were in the Dominican Republic as a purple belt, who were you then training under to kind of like, not just have training partners, just a bunch of white belt training partners, who are you training under?
2: So uh, I spent about a good year there myself, you know, so my, my instructor is, uh, Abraham Marte. He's, a uh, um, uh, black belt world champion from the, from the Dominican Republic. Okay.
0: okay.
2: He, um, before, but I guess I was there about a year before I trained with him, but he's most noted for becoming a world champion with training, training with only blue belts. Oh, okay. So, was, you know, uh, one of the main things that he taught me was, um, making the best out of your training situation, you know, and I emphasize that a lot in my gym, you know, you can't always, I mean, me coming up, I mean, the the closest black belt around me was an hour and a half, you know, and I think I, I was, uh, uh, I was in the Jitsu three or three or four years before I even seen a brown belt. And then it was oh, like, wow. seeing, you know what I mean? Yeah, But, uh, yeah, so uh, I spent about a year training by myself there with blue belts, white belts, you know, just guys who a lot of tourists come to the Dominican, you know, so every week would come by and I would get people from, you know, different countries and stuff like that, that, you know, train jiu-jitsu would find me on the internet. But after that year, um, I kind of, uh, one of my students was a former student of Abrahams. So he kind of connected us. And then, um, you know, uh, I affiliated under him and, uh, first american to get my black belt in the dominican <laughs> oh
1: that's,
0: that's fun that's really cool so what year did you start
2: jujitsu then 15 years I'm actually 16 now okay
0: so, so walk me through the like you said do you actually have an exchange program for the kids where they have to like stay with different families and stuff like that to kind of keep them over there or do their families come with them or how does that work they would
2: so most of these kids, you know, the way it would work, um, over there is a lot of the families would bring them over to GF team there in Rio and, uh, that they, they live there at the gym, you know, eat, sleep, train, you know, to kind of better their careers and any, and, you know, do something with jujitsu. It's kind of their, their whole life. So are you familiar with, um, Gutenberg Pieha? It, it sounds familiar. <laughs> so Gutenberg just went to the final in worlds, uh, and lost i think against uh um uh victor hugo oh so, okay hugo came yeah.
1: to fishers like five or six months ago and did a did a seminar out here
2: okay well he he was killing victor all the way through to like the last minute of the match and then victor just come back and ended up winning so super cool kid well i, I had him there uh, as a purple belt like when nobody knew who he was, you know, we, we brought him there and, um, he, he stayed with us a couple of months trained. And then we all went together to, uh, um, Nogi worlds where he ended up winning double gold and stuff. So, uh, yeah, like, like you say, it's, uh, um, and that kid, man, we would try to get him to go to the beach. We try to get him, you know, go out, hang out. No, no, no train train. All this kid wanted to do was train. I mean, that's, you know, that, that lifestyle, that's why he's, he's, uh, is what he is now, you know?
0: Do you do any like sort of um, like formal education with them at all, or is it just like different? Because like for us in the states, it's such a big requirement. So I didn't know like what it what it looks like over there. Or
2: so it's uh, it's the same. You know, it's any it's a third world country in the okay. Dominican. Yeah. You know? So uh, where I live, like people forget that a lot because I lived in in Punta Cana. So Punta Cana is like huge tourist destination. Good. Yeah. Over number one as like the most, uh, the biggest tourist destination in the Caribbean over the Bahamas, you know. Uh, but so when you get out of those all-inclusive resorts and, you know, all that stuff, you see like the average Dominican lives off of less than a dollar fifty a day, you know. So everybody's kind of like raised there for tourism, you know, like they bring their kids up you know, uh, to learn how to work in the tourist industry and in, like hotels and working with tourists, being tour guides, things like that, you know? So, I mean, I want to say that education is not a huge thing, but man, I mean, what a, a, a great bunch of people that just, you know, find a way to, you know, I mean, we, they don't have the education access that we do, but they, they make do with what they have and do really good at it, you know, very, uh, I mean... Wow, just very uh, impressive people. You know, some of the happiest people, too, on earth. Like, it, it, was, it was really life-changing living there because um, we take for granted so much here in the States. You know, like, I would say, so, like, when COVID hit, I created this program where, um, so I've got a, a, a couple of instruct, instructionals on BJJ Fanatics. Well, I was offering all of my proceeds um, for them during COVID, and it was going to feed families there during COVID. So I would see some families just, like I would pull up to some areas where these people just had nothing. I mean, nothing, you know? And you would see them standing in line there, just the biggest smile on their face, laughing, joking, like everything's just perfect. And here, you know, I'm stressed out because I'm not getting good internet to play Call of Duty on my own, you know? It's just, it's, it's really humbling to see that, you know, money really, really, truly does not buy happiness.
1: Sure. Yeah. he said $1.50 a day. Like, I can't yeah. like, that's like a pack of gum, you know?
2: <laughs> and like, you think things like, uh, man, like, uh, electricity, like I tell my son all the time, you know, like he, he just thinks these lights turn on magically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or toothpaste just appears in the bathroom and toilet paper on the roll. You know, he doesn't know that stuff costs money, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, that's kids. I I totally get that. I used to think the same thing. I was like, oh, what are you going to
2: do for me again?
1: (laughs) I can do this by myself. (laughs) It's no big deal. Absolutely. That's wild, man.
0: So, how, how, uh, you're in Georgia and you have an academy in Georgia. How big is that? And where, like, what does your academy look like and such?
2: So, my this really happened as a fluke you know i would come back here and i would kind of just go train at schools just to you know because i'm still a competitor so i really didn't care about you know um really focusing on a school in the states here just yet so uh when COVID was here i mean like i said there was a few academies that were open but everywhere i would go i would just people would follow you know like i was teaching a lot online and um Next thing you know, it just started getting more. So many people following me to every gym. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to go ahead and open a gym. And I I did like a sublet from a trampoline park like place and blew up in the first year. We we just like took over basically the whole place, you know, where we were just had so many students. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to go invest and just open my own spot. And we did that. And then first first six months open, we won. We um, won. Um, best of Georgia for uh, our martial arts academy and, and especially our kids program. Our kids program just blew up and our competition team really took off. And we've, we've been open pretty much yeah, two years here in Georgia. We've accomplished a ton. Wow. Yeah, that, that's be, fast. We're <laughs> actually leaving uh, um, this coming up week for kids Pan Ams. I got about four kids competing there as well.
1: They're doing Pan Ams? Yeah, yeah wow <laughs> yeah that's super cool when we when we kids do like a local fuji it's like oh wow you're gonna compete. that's awesome you know <laughs> so kids pan ams that's pretty that's a big deal yeah it's very cool so how many like um i guess how many students do you have currently then
2: we've got roughly 70 i'd say okay yep that's pretty good and, and then kids about mm, 35 40 kids okay but it's hard you know uh really gauging here my gym in the dominican was all competition you know we just competed a lot and we just went to war you know what i mean so making that transition to um building an academy for you know it really hit me i guess um one day this 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 person was telling me that that they had looked us up online and stuff and they really didn't want to come in because they were just really intimidated you know, cause all the pictures were of us winning this stuff and everything. And it's, it really kind of hit me. Cause I thought like, man, I'm missing people who really need jujitsu, you know, cause they're coming in and they're thinking like, Oh, this is, you know, competition. These guys just, you know, bang and don't, you know, uh, want to, you know, I guess the self-defense aspect. And also I'm kind of like, it's a learning aspect for me too, just learning how to gauge all of that and kind of reach everybody. Cause I want everybody to, you know, have the full benefits of what jujitsu can offer. Sure. Yeah. I mean, especially I mean, I, I've noticed
1: I've had some friends that have had gyms that have been kind of competition schools and sure. they they kind of didn't do so well because it's like if you just adhere to just competitors, you're losing out on like seventy five percent of like your your people because a lot of people just want to come in and train, get a get a workout and yeah. be you know, maybe two, three days a week, you know, just learn some self defense and gain some friends and you know what i mean so like yeah it's 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 a different different lifestyle when you go okay i gotta teach i gotta teach the 65 year old blue belt and i also have to teach the 25 year old purple belt that wants to compete every day and you know it's a different dynamic
2: sure and then trying to be a competitor myself you know so it takes it here i'm gonna go try go over here and try to drill some stuff or work some things. And then, like you say, I've got a whole, you know, my, my old instructor used to tell me all the time, he said, the worst thing that can happen to you is if you got a hundred students. And I think to myself, well, how, you know, that'd be great. But I mean, I see, I don't have time. You know, I can't, um, I can, it's like I, I can't split myself into as many people as I need, you know, to be able to help this person. Like you say, the 65 year old blue belt and then the 22 um, year old blue belt who just, you know, wrecks everybody. Sure yeah
1: yeah it's a lot i i teach uh, i teach kids muay thai and if i get six or seven kids i'm like what do i do <laughs> like, yeah. you can't that that's a, that's like a lot you can't spread yourself out enough for that so like having that many people do you
2: have people help you coach i'm assuming or yeah i've got about like during kids class i've got about six um blue belts on the mat that help with that okay like, yeah. me and then my my um, son he, he pretty much runs that kids program he's 20 oh, okay cool.
0: Nice. How has he been doing jujitsu since he, you put him on the mat when he was crawling? <laughs>
2: yeah. So Funny is he has never done a kid's class. I always put him in adults class oh. and it really benefited. He's really small. He's about five. Wow. Five, seven and 123 pounds, you know, so really little and just, uh, um, really uh really technical like he's like he's let me think one two three time pan am medalist um got uh third at at nogi worlds i mean very high level competitor he just got his purple belt a month ago
1: okay wow yeah that's impressive
2: yeah very good kid too he's all around really really good listens good you know jujitsu kind of put him on the right path okay nice
1: cool so is that your that's your full time gig? Then you you run the school. You got two schools, obviously.
2: Yeah, uh, I've got the two academies. I've got a uh, um, uh, a food business as well. I've got a couple food trucks. Oh yeah, what do you sell? I love food. Uh, <laughs> deep fried Oreos, and then oh. I've got um uh, another one that's uh, shaved ice and uh, bubble tea.
1: Oh Lord, <laughs>
2: <laughs> everything that people want, you know, all that that that
0: bad food that I can't eat.
1: Yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> good training carbs <laughs> that's awesome
0: that's so fun why did you get into like the funnel like where did that come from so uh funnel cakes are
2: just a, it's, it's a huge profit margin you know I just evaluated everything about like I, I food trucks are such a, a big trend especially like in the Dominican they, they'd have big huge food food truck parts or parks and then I traveled to a lot of big cities and I just kind of seemed like when when COVID started hitting, a lot of people were trying to push towards food trucks, especially like where I live here, it's a military town. So when COVID hit people, you know, the soldiers couldn't go out and eat and things like that. So they started allowing food trucks into the the base. And we kind of capitalized on that. When that started happening, we were one of the only food trucks out there. So it really was a good revenue source. But, you know, for example, like, uh, you know, with funnel cakes and things like that, there's no cold storage. So it's like if you're dealing with meat and stuff like that, you know, you need to have another truck that's refrigeration and so many more um, things to deal with meat and inspection stuff. So it's just high profit and easy work, you know?
0: Nice. I love it. And it's delicious.
1: Yeah. Big fan of funnel cakes over here.
0: Big fan (laughs) of deep fried Oreos.
2: Yes. (laughs)
0: Uh, So do you do both gi and no gi then at your school?
2: We do. We're probably, I mean, if I had to percentage it, we're about 70% uh, gi and about 30% no gi. But I say that and my accomplishments are a lot better in no gi. You know, even though I train gi the majority of the time, but I just, I'm old school in the sense, I believe that I like the true essence of jujitsu. I believe there's, you know, you could arguably say there's, over a thousand more chokes you could do with the gi. So, why not, you know, kind of learn everything? Although lately I have really been leaning a lot towards no gi. I really have.
0: It's so funny because I feel like everybody's like jujitsu journey ebbs and flows with the love and hate of the gi and the no gi. Like, I am. I'm strongly in the no gi camp right now, but I feel myself getting pulled towards gi. And <laughs> like, what for you is pulling you towards no gi? Do you think?
2: Well, number one, I guess competition wise, you know, it's hard to find many no gi competitions that are offering money. Like, yeah. uh, I'm going to be in a in a competition, Sapatero uh, uh, Invitational in in Tampa. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. In mid August, and it's a $10,000 no gi tournament. And I think only three people got an invite to that. Everybody else had to win a qualifier, and I was one of the three that got an invite. So stoked about that. And I mean, how many, you know, you're not, I'm not seeing many gi stuff that's offering a $10,000 cash prize. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, and it's, you know, I, I'm, I've always, always kind of a knocker of the, uh, you know, leg lock game and stuff. But man, I'm just, I don't know, I kind of just, dove dove in head first. Now I'm loving it a lot.
0: Yeah, our uh, our coach is a big leg locker and it's been really interesting to like, for me, it, it was one of the first, this only second gym that I've ever been to and learning all of that and then going to other gyms and realizing that nobody knew what I was doing and then just murking yeah. people with the game. I was <laughs> like, ah, this is actually really fun.
2: Yes, it happened to me quite a few times, you know, because I would just always stay away from it, like, oh, that's just not real jujitsu, you know. And then I'd go out to California for worlds and train at different gyms, and I'd be, you know, blue belts nailing me with stuff not like this. I'm like, man, all right, I gotta start learning it, I guess. It's wild.
0: I also think jujitsu trends are interesting, like how you know this specific style will fall out of favor, this will come into favor, and like it's so weird to note that especially for me getting into it and being so still so new to it it's interesting to kind of like watch that starting to take place and i feel like leg lock game is starting to pick up a little bit more momentum
2: did you guys watch this last uh um uh who's next finale Mm -mm. no oh god it was like miserable because like you know it was a no time limit match and the the one guy just basically like uh, he got his guard passed, his back took over and over and over, and he just would like sit there with his hands like this and just not like open up at all. So it was about a two hour long match. Oh, oh my Lord. Lord. gosh! Seeing which I was always for like um, no time limit matches if both parties engage. You yeah, know, and just wasn't engaging.
1: It's kind of yeah you can you can kind of get away with not engaging in, I mean, Nogi kind of yeah. takes away some because, you know, you can be a little more ex- explosive and things like that, but like, still, it's just like, you can, if you want to lay there and guard or half guard or whatever, I mean, yeah, if it's no points, who cares? Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah. That's
2: the thing. Like, well, you guys being around Indianapolis, I'm sure you feel it too. Like when I trained around Chicago, we used to always say there's no such thing as a blue belt around here. Cause everybody wrestled in high school or wrestled in college. Oh yeah. Fun. You get them guys coming in there. And I remember uh, I, I was a blue belt when I was around Chicago and just those dudes would just come in and just wipe the mat with me, you know, them, them college wrestlers. And I just, it just made me want to quit every day. Yeah. You know? It's
0: definitely beyond embarrassing. It was, it was
1: a little, <laughs> little disheartening because when I first started jujitsu, it was me and one other guy that was my size. I'm five, five hundred fifty pounds. And he was a U of I wrestler. And then oh. everybody else is 200 pounds so like oh. i had no chance
2: <laughs> i yeah. was like i guess i'm gonna get good
1: off my back
2: <laughs> miserable but i bet you you got really good off of that though it made you made you really tough didn't it
1: yeah my half guard's decent
2: <laughs> yeah. i tell my students all the time so where, where i live here in georgia when i uh when i would be here so in the winter or in the winter time i would be in Georgia. So it was an hour and a half um, there and an hour and a half back for me to train with this with this black belt. And I could train with him three days a week. The rest of the time, I was a blue belt and this other guy was a purple belt. I would go train with him and it was an hour and a half uh, over there and an hour and a half back. So this guy was about 220 just pure meathead I was 165 pounds then you know and he would just beat me like I mean every day just like I'd get tapped seven eight times a roll and it's basically just me and him training and it, it just I don't know I, I really embraced I guess the ass kicking I got every day and then <laughs> back to Chicago that summer I was a, a uh, a blue belt steal and I was just murdering purple belts, brown belts, everybody, and I didn't, I never felt it the whole year or whatnot that I'm with this guy because I'm just getting crushed. But then when I went over there and transitioned to people my own size, it was a huge difference, you know, rolling with this big strong guy, like holy crap on Superman, right? <laughs> Where I does come it come from? Too easy.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I I feel that. I mean, it is different. It is it's hard to be constantly rolling with people who are giant. And then, but then it's like going against people, your own size, all of a sudden you're like, Oh,
2: <laughs> it's t- I got to imagine. I imagine it's probably tough being a woman too in the gym, because if you roll with a guy, I've always noticed this is you either get a guy who just rips your head off or you get a guy who's just so passive and won't do nothing. And just basically treats you like you're five years old, you know?
0: It is really, it's an, in, yeah, it's like an interesting dynamic. I will say and give credit to ninety percent of the people that I roll with. Um, I mean, I've been there for years, and you know, like when board opens, so I think they're, I'm, I become a staple in the gym. <laughs>
1: like she teaches the kids there, so, so
0: it's a little easier and. It's actually, I found it harder in stand-up because they've been ingrained that you're not allowed to hit a woman. Sure. And, and I yeah. constantly am like, that's wonderful. And I really love that. And please continue that. But you need to fucking hit me in the face or I'm not going to know how it feels or how to move out of the way. And I'm just gonna assume it doesn't hurt. So hit me, please.
2: <laughs> you guys have many girls? Um,
1: it's actually grown quite a bit. Um, but I think typical class we might have five or six out of about out of 30 people, 30-ish.
2: That's the thing for us. We've got about one or two girls, and you know, they're they're military girls, really tough and stuff like that. But it's so hard, you know. Just like I say, we our our environment's very tough to get a woman to come in. I hate that. I'm really trying to change it because. I would hate to miss that woman who needs jujitsu for self-defense or, you know, that empowering that jujitsu can give a woman because of our competition style, you know? So I'm really trying to reach out and offer uh, a lot more self-defense things and stuff like that for women.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Some of the schools where I've had like actual like women's classes and stuff, which has been helpful. Um, But then you got to find, you know, a girl who's willing to teach that, you know, you know, isn't a six-weekend white belt. You know that we just started or something. You know, we because we used to have um, Aubrey. What was she brown belt for? She when she left, so we had one girl. She went to California, and just got her black belt. But before she moved, she was a brown belt and taught kid or women's class for a couple years at least, and it was good. I mean, it was you know six or eight women con- consistently like on Sunday or whatever. It would show up, and it was a good community. Then everybody started moving, so. <laughs>
2: that's my, my my issue i'm noticing here is i'm in a military town i get people for about one and a half two years and they end up PCSing and out to another place or something I, and i just get them good enough to become a blue belt or whatnot and then feed them to another gym
1: well so blue Bells, from- that's the right time to quit anyway so
2: you know <laughs> <laughs> the curse <laughs> yes <laughs>
0: Yeah, that would be hard the the rotation like that's such a unnatural thing being in the military or constantly moving. It's such a, a trope of that lifestyle. So that would be really hard to to feel like attached cuz you do get really attached to your students and then Oh yeah. They just leave.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it was kind of like depressing. I thought about it. Uh, uh, this month we just did a a, a tournament in Jacksonville, Florida. And I thought about it, the tournament, when I was there the year before, I had a whole just different class of people and all of those guys are gone, you know, PCS out or, or got out of the military or whatnot. And just, uh, I had a whole new group of people competing, you know? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah.
0: I, um, so does your entire, does your family then do jujitsu with you as well?
2: So no, just me and my son, um, well, he's ac- hes actually uh, my brother's son, but I adopted him when he was like six months old. Okay, so we've kind of trained together a lot. Uh, I've got an older son that that trained also with me a lot. He he branched off into MMA, and he's he lives there in the uh, Dominican. He's just pursuing his MMA career. But it's funny, you know, it's a funny story between the two of them. So the my older son. He, he kind of started uh, uh a little after I did, but he just was super talented, like just super. One of them ones, like just as first day on the mats, he was good, you know? And everywhere we would go, we would go, compete, he, he would win. And I just, I sucked. I, I, I literally had no talent at all. Me, the, completely opposite. You know, I had to work three times as hard to get good than he did. But it, it really it made me learn a lot with my youngest son in, in teaching wise, because I really always built up my, my oldest son. You know, oh, you're great. You're good. You're, you, you know, you can do this. You're, oh, you only lost because of this and blah, blah, blah. And then when he started li- like getting beat, he really didn't know how to deal with it, you know, cause he was always used to winning. He would train in the gym, smash everybody. Everybody hated it, you know, cause Everybody hated rolling with him because he'd just smash him, destroy him, you know? Well, then, like I say, the, the younger son, small, no muscle, no athleticism, nothing, got murdered every single day. My gym in the Dominican, I had one guy who was a Russian master of sport in Sambo. I had another Ukrainian that was a world champion Sambo guy, just beasts. And, these, and all these guys would just like, like ask, they said, say, hey, Vance, let, uh, let me, uh, uh, you warm me up. And man, he just get murdered every day. So he never really built any confidence for himself in jujitsu. So when he started competing, he had a different mindset. He would go in there and just be happy that he's there at the competition. You know, doesn't expect nothing, you know, and he really flourished. And he, he actually outshined my oldest son in competition achievements. Just like I say, being completely different, getting smashed every day you know, having no talent and just doing it because you love it, you know?
1: That, that gives me hope.
2: Yeah. <laughs> me too. I, me too, me
1: too, have no talent. <laughs> even
2: even on my, when I got my black belt, I'm, uh, my instructor's speech as he's giving me my black belt. He says, you know, Caleb's not the most talented guy, but, you know, he outworks everybody. I'm thinking, man, fuck you. I got it. <laughs>
1: Dude, yeah i i feel that because yeah like you said you know some of those guys that you know state champion wrestlers you know d1 or something come in and like you know never done jiu-jitsu and just come in and murk me i'm like i've been doing it Now yeah, i'm a force that purple belt you know i should be good you know <laughs> be the dog shit out of me and i'm like what the
2: hell? purple belt's one of the toughest belts man everybody claims blue belt's But purple belt for me was a tough transition belt, man. Super, super tough. Because exactly like you said, I would see guys running through white belts. And I would think to myself, I'm having a hard time with these white belts. You know what I mean? And I'm not supposed to. You know, but again, these are, like you say, wrestlers and just MMA guys. You know, like a a good MMA fighter that's a white belt in jiu-jitsu has a good understanding of grappling, you know, and yeah, for my ego, but. Again, if you want to get good, you can't have an ego, no matter what the sport is. You know.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I, it's the, like I think John Jones might have a belt now, but up for like the latter, like when he was the champion, he was a white belt.
2: <laughs> How'd you like to draw him uh, in, in a in a tournament? They put that white belt against you, right? Yeah, <laughs> a little unfair.
1: That's why I like the uh, the local tournaments that do like the nogi beginner, intermediate, expert kind of deal. Yeah. I think that's a better way to, to do that because some of those guys, you know, that wrestled they wrestled for 10, 20 years and they're a white belt.
2: <laughs> that's good that IBJJF does. If you've wrestled in college or, you know, you're your judo black belt or something like that, you got to go right into the blue belt division. You know, let people sandbag as a white belt. That's a division one national champion wrestler, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that is really hard and it's incredibly like I don't know. It is disheartening, but it also is just like confusing. (laughs) Like (laughs) It's it's really confusing to go in there and think that you're going to go up against someone who is the same skill level as you or, you know, doing the same thing. And then all of a sudden you're looking at the ceiling because you just got thrown onto the mat and you're not.
1: I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. (laughs)
0: So Do you think, because I know every belt comes with its own, like challenges and you know things that you learn. what do you think purple belt was the hardest one for you you said or
2: well purple belt was it was a, a tough transition belt but like a but it was where I kind of started making a name for myself okay. at purple. you know um I wasn't really good at blue belt I never won a tournament until purple belts and It was one of those ones, and I probably competed in 50 tournaments until Purple Belts. Never won first place. Got murdered every single time, it seemed like. Then went to um, pro trials my first year at Purple Belts, and not expecting to win anything. I kind of just went, because my son was like competing. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it, too. ended up winning um, gold in my division, and uh, gold in the absolute, got the ticket. Oh, wow. From then on. It really, you know, that's kind of when I started getting faith, I guess, in myself and my jujitsu and stuff. So I, um, uh, my jiu-jitsu went down a little bit at Purple Belt, too, because you understand that's when I opened that academy in the Dominican, you know, and teaching wasn't something I was expecting. But when I really embraced teaching completely, I really started growing a lot mentally, you know, it forces, it forced me to really evaluate basic techniques, yep. you know. So many people forget the basics and one of, you know, my, my son's the worst on it. He wants to study everything, Brimbolo and all of this crazy stuff, instead of just focusing on the basics. And like I say, when I teach, I mean, that's what uh, my gym's name in the Dominican was Basico in Spanish means basic. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just, I think that is something that really has helped me as well. Cause I mean, I I teach a kid's class, but having to break everything down in an edible form for them has made it helped me break it down for myself, you know, oh, this makes sense because of A, B, and C, you know, I have to hold these, like these very specific points inside control, because if I don't, here's what happens. And being able to teach for me is always the best way to learn. And I make, that a point for my students as well. So when we go, I make sure that they're teaching as well. That way that they can, you know, break it down for themselves as well. Sure, but I, I totally agree. I I love teaching for that reason. That's yeah, it's definitely um
2: you know, like people would ask me that a lot, you know, about how I got so good with with training with with white and blue belts and and owning an academy, but Honestly, that's it is I invoke myself in, in, in the technique I'm teaching, if I teach a bump over sweep, when I roll that day, I'm going to hit that bump over sweep on everybody just to show everybody, you know, you that's the technique of the day. So it forces me to go back to that, you know, to that, those basics and just really understand the technique.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. And it also is just like, I don't know, it's really nice to be able to be like, hey, I I, I helped that person do that thing.
2: <laughs> like, <laughs> I really love teaching, so. It's very rewarding. Now, in the Dominican, I, there was a lot of kids that started with me that are adults now that are just complete savages. And it's like, I, I, I look back at some of these pictures and think like, there's this one kid that, that he got so, so talented. And I remember the first day I was teaching it, I looked over at my son and I said, this kid's never gonna get it. Never. You know <laughs> And the kid's just a phenom, you know? So it's like, it's so, I always go back to that and I think to myself, like, man, if I can teach that kid, I can kind of teach anybody, you know? Oh,
1: sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny for me because, like, some of these kids that they come in at 12, 13, and they're my size because I'm not a big yeah. person, you know? And I kick the shit out of them. And then get, they get, they're like 15, 16, and then they're 200 pounds out of nowhere. And I'm like, what, what is going on? Yeah. and then they kicked the shit out of me and i'm like why am i getting beat up by this kid two years ago i was I, two years ago you were done like that was it yeah. you talk
0: specifically
1: about jaren uh, well not just him there's uh ronald
0: oh uh, yeah you know he, yeah, yeah some of
1: these kids started out at 150 pounds now they're 190 Puberty
0: is an pounds. awesome thing it's crazy oh
2: uh, yeah i got it i got a kid that just moved here from vegas he's 12 years old Almost, i'm six three so he's a, he's a he's a couple inches tall or, or uh shorter than me, but he's like uh i think like like one sixty five already i mean he looks like he's twenty he's twelve like I'm rolling with him the other day and I'm kind of like smashing him with some shoulder pressure and like, like when he gets up he's got tears in his eyes and I'm thinking to myself like i i i, I forget he's twelve you know what I mean
0: yeah
1: yeah but he's you. a grown ass man <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
2: He's got a mustache and everything. It's like, man.
0: He oh. <laughs> grew up in Vegas, over by like Area 51, where they're still testing nuclear things. He just got like just enough. That yes.
2: He's a huge rip. Something. <laughs> they're oh. feeding him testosterone for breakfast.
0: I guess. Dang.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I miss that. I, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you? Uh, how often do you go over to the Dominican now? Then.
2: I haven't been since uh, February of this year. Okay, uh, Things are just really taking off here a lot, you know, so i really, and it's still slow a little bit there with, uh, you know, a lot of people are still kind of scared to travel and all, but it's really opening up. I think everything will be really full swing back by uh, like high seasons considered the winter time, like, you know, December through uh, Easter. So by then I think it'll be back, you know, fully opened up and stuff. But this is where I'm kind of focusing everything, my base of operations. I really am happy here, the people, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. I'm running an academy with my son, you know, I, I'm. Yeah. Training. That's, yeah, that's it's, cool. It's good. You know, I can't, uh, I can't beat that. You know, these are memories that are uh, you know, more than, than, than money or anything else. These, these are the kind of things I'll remember the most. Absolutely. And me and if Needed a ton together. Like we were talking about it the other day. We've done so many super fights together on the same card. And I think to myself, like there was this one, I remember where we were lined up and it was doing the national anthem. It's got all the fighters out there. And I just kind of look over, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting with my son on the same card. I'm the main event. and He was the co-main event. I was like, I love it. Oh it's, dude. That's, that's, cool. Awesome. that's
0: yeah. Super cool. Yeah. So do you have anything coming up as far as competitions going? I know you mentioned your kids going to pans and.
2: Yeah, I'm doing uh, pers- uh I'm doing that Sapatero Invitational. It's yeah. a no um, submission only tournament uh, in Tampa. That'll be mid August, and then I'll be doing uh, Master Worlds in September.
1: Oh, excellent! Nice. Yeah, Sapatero, I think I've, I want to say Joe Bays might have done that one. Somebody that's did. I think. I think he did. I think that's who I've heard it from. Because I know I, I. I we've got friends that compete in all these different tournaments. And I want to say he was one that I heard of doing that.
2: Well, this uh, one's a lot of people, a lot of big name people. I mean, it's $10,000, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that elder Cruz is in it. He's one of the favorites, A uh, bunch of good people, really is, good. Uh, is it going to be televised or is it, uh, yeah, it'll be on, uh, so Josh Leduc, I believe is, is, is the person who puts it on. Okay. Uh, He'll have a, a a live stream and all, and uh, I'm not sure if it's on Flow grappling or not. I don't know. Might be on Flow.
1: Very cool. Okay. Well, we
2: will we will have to tune into that, sir. <laughs> That's super cool, man. Very Bobby, cool. I, I just uh, uh, so I competed in the Atlanta Open about two months ago. So this this pec here, I completely detached it from the bone about a year uh. ago. So I got a guy in an in a straight ankle lock. And I'm like cranking away and all of a sudden you hear like a, it sound like a gunshot, pow. So I thought I, I, I ripped his ankle off. I'm like, yeah. So I'm kind of like even cranking more, you know, cause he's not tapping and it's my, my other quickly oh. really Detach this one from the bone as well. So it's been a, a recovery process, but I mean, they wanted me to do surgery, but like the, the doctor said, he said, are, are you going to listen to me and be out of competition and training for a year? and i was like "Mm, probably not he's like well then don't get the surgery he said i mean it it can't tear again so if you feel fine and you can move go for it (laughs) wow i think
0: we need a whole new line of doctors who try to work on us because we've had so many doctors and we've talked about it before who are like well stay off of it and we're like no
2: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not (laughs) Well, I completely tore my meniscus on my right knee, uh, and same thing told me you're going to have to have surgery. Blah blah blah. I just I, uh, I kind of rehabbed it on my own, went back to training, and my I, I've got way more flexibility in my right knee than I've ever had with no meniscus. That's wild.
0: That's so wild. Yeah, I mean, they need to like start learning that we we can't stop.
2: Yeah,
1: it's it's very very seldom do I find a doctor that understands that i'm not going to quit doing what i'm doing <laughs> like one time i i, I was a uh, one of my mma fights and i broke my nose and the doctor like looked at it and he was like oh, i mean you know when you retire get it fixed otherwise you know just don't worry about it right now yeah most so- doctors are like <laughs> yeah most doctors are like well you need to take six months to a year and do this that, and the other and don't do anything and blah 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 i'm like Fucking crazy.
2: <laughs> well, I got one of my students. Um, he just had both of his knees operated on. And now his orthopedic surgeon is a guy who does jujitsu. Oh,
1: so good.
2: He lucked out there. And, you know, like, you know, just the, being able to understand the things that he does. That's the same thing with me. When I go to see a doctor, they don't understand. Like, you know, what are you doing? You know, and you're just destroying your body. You won't be able to walk in a few years. And I say, well, if I can't walk, I can roll, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's exactly what we we had a one of our good friends on who is our chiropractor Trevor and he does weightlifting like competitive weightlifting and I think the idea that a doctor does a, like something competitive like a sport competitively is imperative to working on other athletes because they sure. care get in that same mindset of like, okay, I understand that. I don't want you to do that. So let's see what else you can do as opposed to don't do this because it's just not going to work.
2: Yeah. Sure. It's good to have somebody that like I said, understands the things that you're doing, you know, like before when I was coming up in competition wise, if you lifted weights, you had an advantage over everybody. Now you have to lift weights to just keep up with everyone you know, and it's a huge difference. So jujitsu has changed. MMA has changed. You know, if you were uh, a guy that, that, that wrestled or something like that in college or, you know, and worked out and things like that, you had an advantage over these guys, but now everybody's got a, you know, strength and conditioning coach a nutritionist, uh, everything else, you know? Yep. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, so uh, where can people find you just Instagram or what's
2: yeah, uh, mostly Instagram, Kalem Callista on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, my uh, team's Team Callista, That's on Instagram, uh, Team Callista Official. Okay. Yeah. And then also check out the DVDs, man, BJJ Fanatics, uh, Sneaky Submissions, Gi and No Gi version. I mean, everybody wants to be that guy, you know, that nails the black belt in class with that crazy submission and that's what this dvd is it's 16 years of knowledge of of submissions that i've created ones that i've seen traveling around the world and just compiled it into a a gi and no gi dvd and it's got some fire stuff man to catch those upper belts that you that that are normally smashing you every day i'm gonna have to check that out (laughs) i need that in my life All right. Very cool, brother.
1: It was good talking to you, man. Thank you for coming on.
2: Yes. Thanks for having me. All right. Peace. Peace.